0: From 744 Ostrom Avenue, I'm Guile Fobes, and this is The Daily Orange Podcast. It's Tuesday, September 24th, 2019. Today, Syracuse joins the global march against inaction on the climate crisis, a taste of the city's most authentic Latin cuisine, and SU's Whitman School of Management celebrates 100 years in business.
1: the the.
0: Hundreds world of central New Yorkers joined the worldwide chorus of protesters advocating for action on climate change. Abby Weiss covers news for The Daily Orange and covered the Syracuse climate strike on Friday. Hello, Abby. Hi, good
2: to be here.
0: Great to have you. Take me in the moment. What did you see? What was the route? Who are the people that you met? What did you see on Friday?
2: Of course. Syracuse University and SUNY ESF students gathered on the Shaw Quadrangle at 1130, and it was a beautiful day. It was really sunny, which was great. I just saw a bunch of students, um, high school students as well. I know Nottingham High School had a high presence there. They were all holding signs and getting ready to chant, warming up their voices, and taking pictures and then I also saw faculty there as well. I talked to some of the CNY Sunrise organizers. They were one of the main organizers for the event. They were really excited, they were very passionate. One of the main organizers uh, yelled into the megaphone, getting everyone ready, um, holding up their signs, and saying, like, this is the first of many actions to come. And that set off the march. They marched from the quad to Foreman Park. They all walked quickly, um, holding signs. The people in the front were leading chants. They were saying chants like, hey, hey, ho, ho, climate change has got to go.
0: So you say Syracuse students were there at the beginning. Who were some of the people that you got to speak with?
2: I got to speak with Caitlin Jones. She's a senior. She was one of the CNY Sunrise organizers for the event. She was very angry about it. from her experience. She had worked at a nonprofit. Yeah, I learned a lot about how just truly really terrible like legislation is with in regards to like air quality and water quality in in Syracuse. and once I figured out like how blatantly like they don't care and they don't listen to our like appeals, um, I got really really infuriated and I I got kind of heartbroken.
0: So on top of Syracuse University students, you got to meet a lot of younger students uh, from local from a local high school that actually got excused from class to go. Um, Who did you meet?
2: Yeah, one of the main speakers, Victoria Pachos from East Syracuse-Manoa Central High School gave a speech saying that fighting the climate crisis was far from impossible, and also saying how drastic it was
0: And then, not only younger people, but you saw some older, uh, I guess just central New York citizens that uh, joined in on the march. Uh, What were your conversations with them like?
2: One of the people I talked to, Julia Ganson, she was there with her two friends, they were from the Syracuse Peace Council, and they said that they had been marching for this issue since the 1970s, and they had also done other marches, such as the women's marches.
1: We're doing this.
2: I think of our daughters, and I think of our grandchildren, and I start crying because
1: seven generations. This is not
2: the world. Julia Ganson. She said, "This is not an important issue. It's the issue."
0: Abby Weiss is a staff writer for News, and you can catch her story. Hundreds of Central New York residents protest in global climate strike. In the description below and on the Do website. Thank you, Abby.
2: Thank you so much.
0: from september 15th to october 15th the united states recognizes hispanic and latinx americans for their contributions to the country's history heritage and culture this week the daily orange looked at perhaps my personal favorite contribution food allison wise and diana riojas cover stories for pulp and lucky for them they got to try some of syracuse's most authentic latinx and hispanic cuisine hello to oh, both hi of you. so i want to start with allison where did you go
3: yeah, so I went to Camino Real, a Mexican restaurant, which is located in North Syracuse, right near the Syracuse airport, and um, the kind of cuisine they they have there is authentic Mexican cuisine. How long has Camino Real been there? So they've been there since 2018, which is when Katie and Roberto Lazaro started working there as well they came up from south carolina around then as well and she's in charge of front of the house she's the general manager and roberto is one of the chefs
0: nice i see and like what things do they specialize in what what do people go there to, to try
3: well they have authentic mexican food as i said um roberto's actually from acapulco mexico and he cooks some of his favorite childhood dishes as well as other traditional mexican Like typical things you'd see at a Mexican restaurant like fajitas. Um, They also have tamales with chicken in them and it sounded delicious.
0: Diana, how about you?
4: Yeah, so I went to Las Delicias. It's located on the Westcott neighborhood. Their original location was opened in 1998, but in the past couple of years have moved to the Westcott area. The owner, Francisco Rodriguez, was born in the Dominican Republic and now he owns the shop. He runs it along with some of his family members
0: just to elaborate a little bit like what sort of food do they have
4: yeah so they definitely are based in dominican food and culture but they also expand to the caribbean so some common foods that you see are plantains beans rice grilled chicken but one dish in particular that they have is monfongo which is like smashed up plantains and uh fried pork mixed all together in the shape of the carrier dome which is what Yarilas carrasco said and he's an employee at the
0: most of these restaurants, they're either owned or they're run by people of Hispanic or Latino descent. Why was that important for Latinx Month to cover it in that way?
4: Obviously, we live in Syracuse, New York, so maybe finding the most authentic Latinx food is kind of hard to come by. And finding these restaurants, while it was a struggle and trying to see if they would be willing to talk to us, they completely agree that like, oh yeah, we want to be featured and we want to talk about our culture and our our food and through food you can definitely get who they are and like what they care for about their uh, community and culture and um, even the customers who come in, they definitely like realize how authentic this food is because... They grew up with it, and especially for minorities, like that's very key for them.
0: About the customer, what did you both see when when you spoke to them? What what did they like about the restaurant?
3: So when I went to the restaurant, actually, as I was talking in the corner to one of the workers there, um, a customer called out to me and said, "I love this food. This is this is my favorite place to go. We come here all the time." Um, so you definitely had that feeling, and that was kind of echoed by Katie Lazaro, and she was saying how. They have a lot of regulars there they do have people from the latinx community but they also they have people from all over syracuse that come in they also um because they're so close to the airport they will have tourists come in from the airport and who have been to the southwest and have had traditional or authentic mexican food before and they said that she said that they also enjoyed it and said that it definitely stacks up to what they've experienced before I see. and Diana
4: what, what did you do? yeah I last you this yes I had um, the opportunity to talk to James Hayward Rowling Jr he's a director of the College of Visual and Performing Arts in Syracuse University and he was saying how um, he grew up in Brooklyn so obviously he had so many of that t- kind of food like all over him and like coming to Syracuse and being able to go to Las Dillas is like not only like a treat but he said people should have the right to these kind of foods that they grew up with and um you can kind of see that when he was ordering the chicken and like ready to eat it and like just go home and enjoy.
0: And what what did you guys get to try out?
4: Oh yeah I took Hayward's uh, advice and tried their chicken and magnifique that was just like (laughs) juicy and it was grilled just right it wasn't to undercooked or overcooked, really great stuff, and also the rice. Like I remember, one of the other reporters tried the rice, and they were like, "Oh my god, it's like, um, smushy." And I'm like, "Yeah, that's how like traditional food is like typically made. Like you kind of feel it soft, and it like melts in your mouth. So really good stuff, definitely." Uh,
3: Allison, we like had that. a feast. We had a whole plate of fajitas. We had chips and salsa. We had guacamole and beans, and all all the fixins and everything it was very delicious. Highly recommend.
0: (laughs) Working for Pulp, Diana Riojas is the section editor, and Alison Weiss is an assistant feature editor. You can catch their profile of both restaurants in the episode description and on the Daily Orange website. Thank you to you both.
2: Thank Thank you. Thank you.
0: As the Martin J. Whitman School of Management marks its centennial, the DO wanted to see how the school's history will affect its trajectory for the next 100 years. Gabe Stern, who covers news for the DO, wrote the front page look. Hello, Gabe. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great having you. So your story begins with the Whitman 100 ceremony. Mm -hmm. Can you take me inside that moment?
1: So it was actually um, 100 years to the day where the first class started at what was then the School of Business Administration. But basically there was a celebration, Whitman 100, and Dean Anderson spoke.
0: So one century ago, Syracuse University began a noble experiment. A professor of English, named uh, John Work, had recognized a growing need for business professionals. He proposed a new program—one that would equip graduates with the knowledge and principles needed to flourish in business and, in, and as engaged citizens. And on the morning of September sixteenth, nineteen nineteen, the first business classes were held at
1: Syracuse University. Um, And he unveiled five new values that would basically drive women into the new century, but he also said it reflected the past century. There were five values listed um, right next to him. So it was integrity, inclusion, collaboration, innovation, and excellence. And then on the opposite wall was a list of corporate donors, and it was just a quick 15-minute speech. He brought up one alum that uh, represented each value, and they spoke a little bit about that.
0: And you describe in your piece how corporate donors helped shape the history of the school.
1: How did you see that? The school's been defined, uh, faculty administrators say, by corporate donors, enrollment growth and drops, and those two actually really played off of each other. Now, with enrollment growth, they needed a new building. The School of Management was really just based in Sims Hall, Slocum Hall, and just satellite buildings throughout campus. Krauss-Heinz Hall cost $6 million. Where they get that was corporate donors, and this was in the 80s. So in the 80s, they really, even to their undergraduates, they really advertised this was all funded by corporate donors, we have strong connections with them. But at the time, these corporate donors, they were carrier corporation kraus Heinz, the namesake for Krauss Heinz Hall General Electric. And these all were manufacturing plants in the city of Syracuse. You see that shift when it came to the actual building of, I mean, the current location mm-hmm. the Whitman School. Mm-hmm. So $6 million Heinz Hall, and now they have the $39 million Whitman School of Management. The difference is basically it's funded by where their connections are now, and that's no longer in Syracuse to look at... New York City, Philadelphia, Boston, Washington, D.C., these uh, more corporate meccas throughout the East Coast, it's where a lot of plants that moved out of Syracuse ended up. And once those plants moved out of Syracuse, so did their alumni. We really see a lot of New York City, Boston, D.C. connections rather than Syracuse connections there and that really shifted
0: how the school presented it to the student. It showed them that after graduation, you're not necessarily Mm
1: -hmm. going to work inside of Syracuse. Absolutely. And I mean, it's all in the name Kraus-Heinz Hall. It was Kraus-Heinz, then based in Syracuse, Martin J. Whitman School of Management. Martin Whitman, I mean, he founded an investment firm in New York City. It's all where their connections are and where they lie. And once um, these companies moved out of Syracuse in the 80s, so did the alumni base.
0: And the Whitman dean outlined nine goals for the future of Mm -hmm. the school. What are some of the biggest changes that they're pursuing?
1: So of the nine new goals, a lot of them were that enrollment growth and corporate donations so Whitman 2.0 they're preparing because there's more and more students coming to the school more and more faculty they're not going to switch buildings but they need more space other programs like a Whitman to New York City program really emphasizes their New York City connections where we see their alumni base going you see the um, Whitman Newhouse dual for example they want to become more interdisciplinary so Whitman's on board and they're still getting approved by Maxwell but a Whitman Maxwell dual degree business analytics focus and just becoming more digitized. And now we're seeing it become more global. So that means a semester in Hong Kong, more global, more digitized, but also those same issues of where are they gonna get their funds and where are they gonna prepare for uh, enrollment growth.
0: Gabe Stern is an assistant news editor. His piece on Whitman's 100th anniversary can be found on the Daily Orange
1: website. Thank you, Gabe. Thanks a lot for having me.
0: Thank you so much for tuning into the Daily Orange podcast. A special thank you to Abby, Diana, Allison, and Gabe for their reporting. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and follow the Daily Orange on all your social media. We'll see you next Tuesday.